It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech from last Tuesday night and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhips. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. That's right. Let's have a conversation. I'm Kim Munson. Welcome to the Americhicks. We have in studio with us one of my favorite millennials, Stephen Kessler. You don't mind if I call you millennial, do you? No, I'm a proud millennial. Okay, very, very good. So we're going to have a great conversation. So thanks for being here, Steve. Thank you for having me. And uh, so we're going to have a conversation. We're going to dissect these issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? We're going to talk about it. Check out our website, americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of upcoming guest topics and very important events. And we are the uh, Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We offer a conservatarian pr- uh, perspective. Uh, we have our very exciting event on Monday, January 28th, 5 to 8 p.m. over at Water's Edge Winery, Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. What could be better than that, Steve? I can't think of anything. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, the good news is that it is very popular. The bad news is, is that the January Vino and Veritas is sold out. However, if you'd like to be added to January's wait list, email me at kim at com. Uh, as you know, we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and his team at Speakeasy Ideas to bring you Vino and Veritas. Dr. Cranawitter is one of the foremost experts in the country regarding our founding, the Declaration, the Federalist Papers, and uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, we will be meeting the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. Each lecture stands alone. So if you miss one, no worries. Uh, we'll start the February registration after this event. However, if you'd like to go ahead and subscribe to the complete year starting in February, we'll get you on the wait list. And then uh, Bethany over at Speakeasy Ideas will go ahead and get that taken care of so that you are assured of a spot. One other very exciting thing, uh, Brad Beck, many of you know him. He is uh, one of the co-founders of Liberty Toastmasters, and he is on the show quite often. He is uh, involved with the Boulder County Republicans. They've got a big Lincoln Day dinner coming up on February 9th up in Boulder, and their speaker is this young, dynamic woman, Candace Owens. So if you are interested in attending that, it will be awesome. Go to bococop.org, that's B-O-C-O-G-O-P.org, to purchase tickets. So, Steve, starting a little something new, we're going to start every day with a little, uh, a little uh, something funny. So here you go, okay? All right. A man died and arrived at the pearly gates. St. Peter greets him and says, welcome, come, come and walk with me and I'll show you where you will be staying. As they were walking along the path, he notices clocks on the golden fence of heaven. So he asked St. Peter, he said, what are the, all those clocks for? And St. Peter relies, uh, replies, they're clocks for every person in the world. Uh, they click once for each time you lie. By the time they reach where the man is staying, he asks out of curiosity, he said, I don't eat, see any politician's clocks. He said, where are they kept? St. Peter calmly replies, people here use them as fans. You'll note that there was a gate. Yeah. Oh, you mean there's a fence? Yeah, keep people out. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of that, the... 
A little Puerto Rican music for you today, Steve, because apparently there were 30 Democrat politicians that were in Puerto Rico this last weekend with a number of uh, lobbyists uh, and uh, just having a great old time down in Puerto Rico, Nancy Pelosi and the group, uh, while the government was shut down. Well, they had a vacation. (laughs) Well, Trump was back in Washington waiting for a deal. So what do you think? Do you think he's going to he's going to cave or what do you think? I don't think Trump is caving to these people now or ever. Okay. I I think Trump knows that he can work these people into a frenzy. He's got some kind of power over these people where he is able to get them to do two things. To one, put their foot in their mouth and then shoot themselves in the foot with the other. At the same time, I don't know how he does it, but he's always making them make themselves look bad. The problem is, is the media typically doesn't, uh, doesn't let people know about that. This, this junket, if you will, it was a chartered 737, took 30 lawmakers and politicians and their families down to nice, warm Puerto Rico. They said that they were working. They were looking at some of the damage down there, and Puerto Rico was lobbying for more and more government money. Uh, however, uh, one of the attendees was Lujan Grisham. She's a candidate for governor in New Mexico, and she drew attention to the need for further government action on the Puerto Rican islands. But what she didn't mention was her social activities of dancing and drinking at the Chandelier Bar, a ritzy hotel bar within the El San Juan Hotel, and that's the hotel where most of the delegation stayed. It's described on the website as being synonymous with Puerto Rican luxury hospitality. Now, it's unclear exactly what Lujan Grisham and her colleagues paid to stay at the hotel. But during the weekend, room prices range from $300 to just under $1,000 per night. And the hotel, which is part of the Curio Collection by Hilton, includes many luxury amenities like tennis courts, multiple pools, and spa. And then many of the politicians attended the musical Hamilton as well, although it's uh, reported that they did pay for their tickets. (laughs) So, in the rebuttal... From Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, what they said was that they need to end the shutdown and meet the needs of the American people. They accused President Trump of misinformation and malice, and they said that they've offered legislation to end the shutdown and find smart, effective border security solutions. And I'm wondering, where have they been prior to 2016, Stephen? Nancy Pelosi's been in Congress since 1987 for 32 years. Chuck Schumer's been there since 1998, 21 years. And why didn't they get this problem taken care of within, say, the last 21 years? Well, I think that's, one, pretty typical of us as human beings. But I think more to the point is that one of my phrases that I always ask is, um, one of my questions I always ask is, do you have any skin in the game? Because if you have no skin in the game, then it's no skin off your back. And that these politicians are now wealthy and successful, established, stable people. And the government shutdown is no skin off their back. And so (laughs) he just hit the nail or the center of the bullseye. Mm -hmm. So there's there's no real sweat for them. You know, they they went away on vacation. It's just not their problem, even though it is their problem. They they don't really care. Yeah, because there's no skin in the game. Well, you know, so a number there's 800,000 apparently federal employees and there's a lot of people that depend on, on things from the federal government, like one of my colleagues had indicated that the, with the Small Business Administration shut down, that these new little businesses or people that want to buy businesses can't get loans. So it certainly does have far-reaching effects. Because of that, 
I'd highly recommend that Pelosi and Schumer get to Washington and sit down and get a deal done. And uh, this whole thought process or or this narrative that that the fence, the wall, whatever you want to call it, the seal barrier is immoral and it doesn't work flies in the face of common sense. If you want to keep the neighbor's kids out of your yard, you you put a fence up, right? Mm -hmm. And good fences make good neighbors. Very true. And to see all of these people trying to cross the border and invade our country. And then the other thing, Stephen, is uh, if they get here, many times they can get in, onto our social programs. Uh, so it could be cash assistance. It could be Medicaid. It could, you know, coming into our schools where we're, we're teaching English as a second language. I mean, the cost is so significant. We talk about E-Verify for employers that they need to make sure that they're hiring U.S. citizens. I think we should start E-Verify for all the social programs and all the the people that are are trying to access our public schools. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. And um, so I think philosophically what's going on is that the conservatives and liberals differ on what is the central unit of civilization. Liberals, we believe we're a civilization of individuals loosely coupled for let's call it contractual obligation. You know, I have a fence. I need that fence painted. You're a fence painter. How do you do? Let's uh, let's get together. And that's how we live as a society, according to the liberals. To the conservatives, we are not a civilization of individuals, but we are a civilization of families. And that the family unit is the central unit of civilization, and the country is merely an extended metaphor for the family. So what we want to do is we want to keep our family first. And so to the conservatives... You know, helping Americans, verifying citizenship, keeping a fence. That's just, that's nationalism based on the family unit. Whereas the liberals, they don't want that. They believe that we're all equals. They believe that there is no such thing as a border. They believe that borders are the cause of problems in the world and that we just want to protect our own family. Kim. Yeah. The, you know, the, I don't want to steal any of your time here. Watch the clock. we got a full show. But this old brain, can you imagine... I think we take you back to December 8th, 1941. Can you imagine Chuck and Nancy sitting in that joint session of Congress with FDR speaking? And basically the declaration war of war was coming right then and right. there. But can you imagine those two sitting there saying, well, is there really a crisis? I mean, Mr. President, you're really maybe over-dramatizing this. Do we really know what the Japanese really want? And dragging their feet? I mean... Well, I don't know if that's a good analysis or not, but... Well, I, th- I think what we're really seeing here is they give the lip service. They say the things that people want to want to hear. Hey, that we want to protect the border, that we, you know, we care about everyday individual Americans. But when you really look at their actions, that is not the case. Now, um, I had one other... Th- subject that I wanted to bite off, but you know what? We're not going to have time to do that because we do have a full show. In the second segment, we will be talking with Simon Lomax with um, Vital for Colorado regarding a a Supreme Court decision that just came down here in Colorado regarding Martinez versus the Colorado Oil and Gas uh, Commission. And uh, it's a very, very important uh, ruling. And so we want to chat with him about that. And then in segments three and four, we'll be talking with Dr. Gerard Lomero. First of all, whether or not he thinks that that Trump, if this uh, stalemate continues, if he might declare like a national security um, emergency. And then he is very positive for America. So we're going to talk about about that as well. But before we do that, it is the NFL playoffs. 
and who moves on and who goes home. That's the bigger question. Uh, so this weekend, though, one of the games is uh, in Kansas City. And apparently the high on Sunday when they, they play the game is going to be 8 degrees. You talk about global warming. I think they'd like a little global warming in Kansas City if they're going to be at the game. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> Sounds cold. I like it here in Colorado. I'm from upstate New York where that's a pretty regular thing. So uh, It doesn't scare you. No, but I don't miss it. I know, for sure. So anyway, where are you going to watch the game? That is the question. And Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. If you watch the playoff and the big game at Hooters, uh, special start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. If you come into any Hooters during the big game, the Super Bowl, you can enter to win a brand new 55-inch HDR TV. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them delivered right to your doorstep. Try their new smoked wings. They are delicious and only half the calories. So order your Hooters to go or have them delivered right to your front door. If you want more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And uh, did you see one other thing? The Clemson Tigers were at the White House yesterday because of the furlough of many of the federal employees. Um, What Donald Trump did is he used his own money. And he ordered in a whole bunch of different fast food. And I'm just wondering, I hope you had Hooters Wings on that menu as well because they are delicious. So this is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Stephen Kessler is our, our uh, AmeriDude, our guest host. And we will be right back with Simon Lomax regarding this very important uh, uh, decision from the Supreme Court yesterday. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The AmeriChicks know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 303-877-7516. And I will always do my duty. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I'm Kim Munson. In studio with us is Stephen Kessler, our our guest Ameridude, one of my favorite millennials in the world. Thanks for having me. And we have on the line with us Simon Lomax. He is with Vital Colorado. And Vital Colorado is a broad coalition of business leaders, public officials, and citizens who have gotten together to support responsible energy development since 2013. 85,000 organizations, businesses, and citizens have joined the coalition VitalForColorado.com. Simon Lomax, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Hey, Kim. Thanks for having me on. Well, something very important happened yesterday regarding this Supreme Court ruling on Martinez versus the Colorado Oil and Gas Commission. And so can you set this up? What was this all about, Simon? Sure. Um, I, I can try anyway. It's It's been a long-running legal battle, but, um, but very simply, um, anti-oil and gas activists uh, have been trying to force state regulators um, to ban drilling for oil and gas in Colorado uh, based on some claims that the activists have made about uh, health and safety over the years. And uh, state regulators have um, consistently rejected these demands because 
as I think most of your listeners know, uh, Colorado already has the toughest oil and gas regulations in the country to protect public health and safety. And so what happened yesterday was that the Colorado Supreme Court, after many years of litigation, um, sided with the regulators, um, saying that the regulators can both protect public health and the environment at the same time as uh, oil and natural gas development uh, continues to, to occur in our state. Well, in oil and gas development, we had this big fight regarding 112 uh, that was on the 2018 ballot, which it lost uh, significantly. Because I think that people understand that affordable, efficient, and reliable energy is one of the the bedrocks for people to go out and thrive and prosper and and live uh, live full lives. And so it's astonishing. So we not only had this uh, from Prop 112 over on the ballot, it looks like that they've also been trying to use the legal system to shut down oil and gas. So this is, is really, really important. How long has this uh, case been going on, Simon? Well, so uh, the case was first filed in, uh, in 2013. It was a petition to the, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, which, um, or the COGCC, and the COGCC denied the petition, and then the, the activists uh, appealed that into the court system, and that's how it eventually ended up before the Colorado Supreme Court. And I think it's really important um, uh, that, to make sure that uh, people understand that when that case was first filed back in 2013, uh, the, the lead plaintiff in the case was very clear about the intentions uh, of the of the of the litigation, and um, and and he said directly, and even actually in a TV interview, um, that it was to get a statewide ban uh, on fracking um, for oil and gas. And, um, and of course, the facts don't in any way support that, which is the reason why the regulators said, no, we're not going to, to agree with your petition. And, and ultimately, that's why the, the Colorado Supreme Court found that the facts and the law don't, don't support that either. Well, now, and wasn't this, uh, I can't believe it's 2013, because I remember when this first hit the news headlines. Was this the, the case that was brought by kids, or is that a different case? Um, it, it, it is the case that was brought by kids, but I should note that while um, the named plaintiffs at the time were, um, you know, a, a group of, of teenagers essentially, um, the, the lawyers behind the lawsuit um, uh, have very close ties to, you know, um, big environmental groups. In fact, the lead attorney is based uh, out of Oregon um, and, 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 and has, uh, has ties to the Sierra Club and, and Greenpeace. You know, and, and these are two big groups in the in the much bigger, you know, keep it in the ground um, uh, coalition uh, on the environmental left. Well, and I I find that really disturbing when we see because of political agendas in this case that uh, they've really kind of put kids up front, you young people up front, and then you have all of this money behind this with this specific agenda to keep oil and gas development in the ground. Um, There's something, I think, as a mom that I just, I I find that so disingenuous. I don't like it when kids are being used. Um, Yeah, well, it's sort of the the lawyer who who brought this case uh, based in Oregon um, has a number of similar cases, you know, running like that, um, whether it's in the federal courts or or in different state court systems uh, around the country. Um, and you know, I think the thing to remember about you know the, the lawsuit, the Martinez versus COGCC lawsuit, is that it is just one part of a much bigger campaign, and part of that campaign included uh, Proposition 112. 
and really since about 2012, what we've seen in Colorado is, you know, despite the state's long history of, of energy development, and despite the fact that um, Colorado was widely recognized as having uh, the toughest regulations uh, in the country um, uh, that allow us to both you know, protect the environment and uh, produce energy uh, at the same time, despite all of that, um, uh, big national environmental groups have really targeted Colorado uh, with uh, a, a a long-standing campaign now to you know, enact bans at the local level and ultimately uh, put policies in place that would effectively drive the oil and gas industry out of Colorado. So, so the lawsuit, you know, um, is is just sort of one part of a of a much bigger campaign. And thankfully, in, in the last couple of months, we have seen both you know, Proposition 112 defeated by a wide margin at the state. Uh, you know, at the state ballot box, and now we've also seen the state's highest highest court um, say that the facts and the law don't support that agenda either. Okay, Simon, we have just maybe about three minutes. So we, we've seen the people reject this whole keep it in the ground uh, movement on oil and gas. And then we've seen that because of the very stringent regulations that we already have in Colorado on oil and gas, that um, the courts have said that you know, that has basically stopped the keep it in the ground movement. What do you think about the the legislature? What do you think might be coming down the pike here uh, with the 2019 Colorado legislature? Sure. Well, uh, well uh, you know, Governor Polis and, and uh, legislative leaders um, have been quite clear that they want to, you know, uh, look very closely at, at the laws governing oil and gas development and the regulations. And it sounds like they wanted to tighten them um, significantly. And, uh, you know, uh, the oil and gas industry, I have to say, uh, since, you know, starting on election night, uh, even though Proposition 112 was defeated by a wide margin, they said if, if people have ideas about how to improve like legitimately and genuinely improve the way that oil and gas is regulated in Colorado, they're open to that discussion. And I think you saw some of that when uh, the, the oil and gas industry worked with environmental groups and school districts and local communities recently to, to increase the setback distances effectively uh, where uh, drilling can take place uh, in proximity to, to schools. Um, so I, I think that uh, uh, certainly the, the industry seems to be willing to have a discussion with legislators and, and the governor's office about ways to improve um, the way oil and gas is developed in Colorado, but I guess we'll just have to see what proposals are actually brought forward and, and the details and, 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 and whether there's actually, you know, some common ground that can be found. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I think that everyday, hardworking, busy people, you know, those moms taking their, their kids to school or to soccer practice or whatever, and, and um, you know, just I think everyday, hardworking Coloradoans take it for granted that we have affordable, reliable, and efficient energy. Yesterday, I filled my car up, and I was able to fill up at a dollar ninety nine a gallon. I took a picture of it, and I, I sent it out to some friends of mine in California, and they said, "Oh my gosh, it's double that out here!" And affordable, reliable, and efficient energy allows people to go after their hopes and dreams. And it's astonishing to me that there is groups that want to keep it in the ground because. Um, energy is what allows us to go after, you know, the things that we, that we value, I think. So just your last thought on that. Well, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I also think that the thing that gets forgotten in Colorado a lot is that because we're one of the nation's largest producing, um, energy producing states, we're, you know, uh, fifth in um, natural gas and sixth in oil. 
and uh, and because of our long history of being a major energy producer, this is a really important sector of our economy. Um, in addition to all of the jobs that it creates, in addition to the economic growth, you know, uh, well over a billion dollars year in year out of, of tax revenue that funds basic essential government services uh, comes from uh, oil and gas development. So this is really a mainstay industry of our state. In fact, when we were coming out of the last recession, you know, the oil and gas industry and oil and gas development was one of the things that, r- that really helped Colorado pull out of that recession a lot faster than a lot of a lot of other states. So uh, we need to remember that, that as a major energy producing state. Um, there's a, there's a lot riding on us continuing to, to develop these resources under the, the, the toughest regulations in the country because Coloradans wouldn't, uh, wouldn't demand anything less. Well, well, for more information, it's, your website is vitalforcolorado.com. That's vital for is spelled out, vitalforcolorado.com. And thank you for the good work that you're doing over there, Simon Lomax. And thank you for joining the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson this morning. Oh, thanks, Kim. You're too kind. Thank okay. You. And, hey, and we have on the line with us uh, Jason McBride. Uh, Jason, um, there's something very special going on over at your house uh, today, isn't there? Uh, yes, it sure is. Well, what is that? Oh, a, I was waiting for Steve to play the birthday dirge. Well, I'm waiting for that, too. Oh, well, he, he was just teasing it. Well, I, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention today was my wife's birthday. Well, you know what? That is a really good husband that you would remember that today is your wife's birthday, Jason McBride. So, um, what, you guys going to do something special? Um, well, I'm gonna, uh, she said she wanted to go out for a romantic dinner, so I said, that's great. I'll do you a favor and stay home and watch the kids so you can do that. Uh, I don't know who she's going with, but I hope she has a good time. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. So, well, wish her a very happy birthday. And uh, let's jump in here. We've been, we've been talking about some of these stocks. You know, the market has been kind to some and not kind to some others, but uh, what are some of the stocks that you, you think people might like to have on their radar? Well, well, we've been talking about a few since the first of the year and kind of weaving them into the conversation. Uh, your previous guest was talking about how important oil and gas is to our economy in Colorado and, and you know, frankly, to the economy of the whole country. Uh, there is uh, uh, one oil and gas stock that was on our list. It's called Carrizo Oil and Gas. Now, it's all you hear that Carrizo, and you think Carrizo Oil, Gas, Pizza, and Subs, but actually they <laughs> do oil and gas. Uh, this one's uh, pretty interesting, too. The price came all the way down from $31 down to about $10 when oil uh, plunged here in the second half of the year. But, boy, these guys' earnings, Kim, they've been up, uh, you know, uh, 116 to 185% over the last four quarters. The estimates going forward are still pretty strong. Uh, you know, it bounced off a of 10 pretty well. Right now it's at around 11 and change. So one nice thing about that is you can uh, enter into it and then if it starts falling and, and breaks below that, that recent low, you can always cut your loss pretty quick and move out uh, with only a small hit. And you still have most of your money to fight again another day. 
Well, that's, you know, the, I think the key is, is to find these, like you mentioned, these good companies that maybe have been knocked around a bit with good earnings and uh, to monitor that. And, uh, you know, so that's a, a great way to consider to, to build a portfolio. So be sure and check out, uh, we have a, a landing site over there with you, chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com. Uh, if you want more information, that's Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. And we'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow and wish your wife a very happy birthday. Of course. Thank you very much, Kim. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow, and we'll be right back now. Steve Kessler's in studio as our, our guest, Dude. We'll be talking with Dr. Gerard Lamero uh, in the third and fourth segment. First of all, we want to see what he thinks about this whole shutdown and what Trump is going to do. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritics with Kim Munson. We have in studio our guest, Amara Dude. That is Stephen Kessler. He is a millennial who is one of the smartest guys I know. It is so great to have you here. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm not that smart. Well, I think so. So, <laughs> hey, before we jump in with Dr. Gerard Lamero, I wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Cantwell. 2019, it's what do you want to do with your future? You know, maybe you've worked hard and the kids don't want to continue on with your business, so maybe it's time to sell. Or maybe you have recently retired and you'd like to be your own boss, create some cash flow. Then it's time to buy a business. And Chris Cantwell is a business broker with Transworld Business Advisors. Uh, Chris Cantwell buys and sells opportunity. He's an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. We like that. Now, Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation to find out how he can help you sell your business or buy your next opportunity. His website is cccellscompanies.com. That's cccellscompanies.com and let him know that you know the Americhicks. So let's jump right in here with Dr. Uh, Gerard Lamero. He is an author, political analyst. He's an expert on forecast models. And his website is greatnewsforamerica.com. So he is an optimist, which I love. Uh, and we'll talk about that in the fourth segment. But let's jump in here right now, Dr. Uh, Lamero. Uh, you just recently did a blog, Will the Trump and House Border Wall Funding Impasse, impasse Lead to uh, Trump Declaring a National Emergency Soon? So unpack this. What do you think? Well, it's a complicated issue, obviously. <clears throat> the Democrats, uh, their position makes no sense whatsoever. We can go into that if you like. But let's just take it for what it is. The Democrats don't want to spend a nickel on the border, despite the fact that most Americans want border security of some sort. And uh, Trump is, is putting his foot down because this is a signature issue that he ran on. He feels that if he doesn't fulfill his promise here, it's going to hurt him in 2020, at least to some extent. And so he wants to follow through. And the old Congress uh, and that, of which there are 49 less anti-Trump Republicans in there, by the way, they lost, resigned, or retired, and that. And by the way, there are also 30 uh, new 
uh, Republicans in the House that are pro-Trump. So he's done actually quite well. And uh, when the next election runs around, uh, you're going to see a conservative House. But in the meantime, he's decided that this is an important signature issue, and I think that he ultimately will uh, take action. I think he's following Newt Gingrich's strategy right now, which is, hey, this is ridiculous. A mere $5 billion or so? They should fund that. That's nothing. It's less than one-tenth of a percent of the national budget. So they're trying to put pressure on the Democrats, and that's Newt's uh, strategy, and I think Trump is uh, saying, okay, well, I totally agree with that. Let's see if we can get something through. And then that way it'll prove that we can work with this House that's so recalcitrant. Well, but Dr. Lamero, we have seen all of these, uh, and I'm going to say sob stories because I think that uh, the media is is really trying to, to pull on people's emotions. Certainly it's difficult for the you know people that are uh, affected by the shutdown, uh, but but Yesterday, we uh, were reporting that there was an IRS employee that said that that, um, because she's not going to get this paycheck, that they weren't going to go out to dinner and they couldn't get uh, drinks at the gas station. And and I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute. You know, we need to toughen up just a little bit here, because what we're talking about is the security of everyday Americans. The police officer that was killed out in California with a little had a little five month old baby. It seems to me like. Like, they don't even seem to care about that. And um, and when we talk about $5.7 billion for the wall, it's, you know, $5.7 billion sounds like a lot of money. But in 2015, there was an L.A. Times article where Elon Musk with Tesla had received $4.9 billion in government subsidies. So this just doesn't make sense. Uh, no. you, you know, I mean, I, I don't know who's going to... You know, who's going to break on this? Who do you think? Well, well, uh, I really think uh, Trump is going to win on this because uh, the Democrats have a very poor position. I mean, back in February of 2018, I guess it was, uh, they had approved, or they said they were going to vote for $25 billion for the wall. So how is it they could have said yes to that, you know, roughly a year ago and now say, oh, this is too much? You know, I mean, their positions are so hard. They're incredulous. They're hard to believe. They make no sense. They don't make (laughs) common sense. And most people realize that. And they're trying to say that, uh, you know, Americans are walking away from Trump. They're not walking away from him at all. They're rock solid behind him in his major policy positions. The Democrats are the ones that are out to lunch. And by the way, uh, the Democrats are, you know, touting this past election as they won the House. They did not win the House. The Republican establishment lost the House. That's why. You know, the Republicans have been, uh, the conservatives especially, have been upset with the Republican Party for not following through on enough conservative positions. And they've been doing things to elect more and more conservatives. There are a whole bunch of the incumbent Republicans, so-called rhinos or establishment Republicans, who would not help Trump. Well, guess what? The electorate has gotten rid of 49 of them. That is a huge number of people to be pushed out of the House. And another 30 new Republicans who decided to run in some of their places have been put in that support Trump. That's a tremendous win. So I think that the 2018 election was part one of two elections in which a conservative red wave is going to take over the House. Part two is going to be 2020, because now that the incumbents have been pushed out, 
uh, they'll be replaced by conservatives because uh, conservative Republicans have not gotten their money's worth out of a lot of the people they've elected. Well, and what do you think about here in Colorado? We're going to have a big Senate race that's uh, going to be occurring in 2020. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes. Uh, if Cory Gardner doesn't start following the will of the American people, including Coloradoans, uh, he is not going to win re-election. Right now, I'd forecast him as losing the election. He's doing the wrong things. What's this thing about giving, uh, you know, like, oh, yes, let's go ahead and keep the government open for three weeks, and then the, the Senate and the House, they'll get together. Baloney. They're not going to get together. They are articulating a position that's steadfast where they want no wall. They're not going to give in. If Trump gives in, he's not going to get anything in three weeks or three months or three years. Not until this House is replaced by conservatives will you see action in the, in the House. No, not at all. I think uh, in Colorado, we need strong conservative leadership. And I think it, you know, some people are going to have to step up to the plate. We're going to get a new uh, Colorado GOP chairman. I like the current person on a personal level. But, you know, I'm not sure that they did the right things to get people elected this time around. And I think that Cory Gartner is on a track to lose, to be honest. And I, I know him, and I don't want to see him lose. But you got to do what the American people want. Well, I, I, I agree. I think that people are hungry for leadership, and I think that they're hungry for leaders to step up and say, you know, I'm here to do my job instead of worrying about the next election. Now, speaking about the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi's been in Congress for 32 years. Chuck Schumer's been in, Cong in Washington for 21 years. They've had ample time to uh, address this problem, and they, they haven't. And I submit to you that it's more about power and winning elections than caring about the American people. Your thought? You're absolutely 150% correct. Ha-ha! <laughs> All right. You're right. I mean, they're, they're looking at the whole border thing as future Democratic voters, because you know what? I've written about it in the last two books about the future of the Democratic Party, it's not good. They're fragmenting. I mean, they're having a war between the ultra-liberals and then the ultra-ultra-ultra-extreme liberals. Uh, and basically, it's the socialists versus the almost socialists. And the Yikes. American people are going to reject this. Stephen, you have done a lot of studies on socialism. What would your comment be regarding the socialists and the you know, ultra-left socialists here? Sure. So for me, I always talk about how socialism's fundamental premise is the negation of original sin, and that the punishment in the Old Testament for original sin was banishment from utopia and labor. And what they're really offering them is this belief that one, man must not labor, and number two, that they can bring utopia here on earth again. And so that's the allure of it is that these socialists are offering, you know, to redistribute and to take things away. It's, it's largely predicated on the emotion of envy, and it's appealing. It's always appealing to people who don't have as much as somebody else because they want to take it away from them, and they don't want to have to work. And it's, I mean, that's, that's an appealing concept. Well, you know, but there is something that I think can override that. We, we tend to, those that love conservatarian principles, we many times do not get our messaging right because people can respond to envy, Dr. Lamero, but they can also respond to inspiration and hope. 
And that is uh, that is one of the things that uh, you have written about, you know, many times. You, you're, In fact, your website is greatnewsforamerica.com, and I think people are hungry uh, for some great news. So I, what I'd like to do is go to break, and when we come back, let's talk about why you are optimistic with all that's going on in America. But before we do that, another thing that gives me a great optimism is Act 2 Reforms. Uh, They are a blueprint to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C. to be more fair, to be more disciplined, to be more open, and to be more transparent. And that's regardless of whatever political party is in uh, in power. Uh, the founders put in Article 5 in the Constitution in case the federal government ever got out of control and too big for their britches. And uh, so Act 2 Reforms is part of the Article 5 Convention of the States movement. They're located here in Colorado. They've got five things that they'd like to focus on. First of all, they suggest that we enforce the rule of law on all federal employees. I mean, isn't law, isn't everybody supposed to be equal under the law, Stephen? Equals before the law, not after. Okay, there you go. Suggest that we give Congress a quick tool to block new regulations. Suggest that we apply term limits on both Congress and the judiciary. Suggest we make Congress account for all claims on the federal budget. That seems like a no-brainer. And number five, suggest that we sharply reduce the power of money in Washington, D.C. So if you'd like more information, check out act2blueprint.org. That's act2blueprint.org. We have Stephen Kessler in studio with us as our uh, guest, Ameridude. We have Dr. Gerard Lamero on the line with us. He is an author. He's a, a political analyst and an expert on forecast models. His website is greatnewsforamerica.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Dr. Lomero is very optimistic, and that's very refreshing in this day and age. So we're going to talk to him about why. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly & Kim, recommend Predovich & Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. I got a woman. <laughs> Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We are having a conversation today. Stephen Kessler's in studio with me as our guest host, and we have on the line with us Dr. Gerard Lamero. 
Uh, he is uh, an author. He is a political analyst and an expert on forecast models. His website is greatnewsforamerica.com. And, of course, we have uh, Steve, our producer, on the boards. It is a lot of great information this morning. Dr. Lamero, a lot of people are sometimes seem like they're giving up hope on America. I mean, it is crazy on what's going on in Colorado in particular. I feel that we are at the tip of the spear of all the different experiments. Uh, when we're looking at the legislation that is already being introduced, we have this HB 1032, which... I do want to address that just very quickly. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Dr. Lamero. I mentioned it to you yesterday, Stephen. But this is a sex education bill here in Colorado that, first of all, I want to say we all, we all have gay people in our lives that are friends, that are family, people that we care deeply about. And, and, and I want to acknowledge that. But what we see over here is what I call the LGBTQ industrial complex that is trying to affect and mandate a religion, if you will, into our public schools of the LGBTQ agenda. And uh, I, th- I think that that goes against the Establishment Clause. And so I think, Stephen, let's get you back because I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. So anyway, Dr. Lamero, I I'm just kind of putting it out there that we have a lot of things that are happening in our country and in Colorado to be concerned about. But you are seem almost to me like the eternal optimist. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because I've studied so many numbers, and I've studied the American people, and I've studied our history back to 1789. I've studied every election, presidential election since then. And I know that there's a DNA, uh, I call it a political DNA, uh, in the American psyche. And it consists of four things. Uh, People want a, a morality in government. That's one of the reasons they're so mad at the deep state now. Uh, they want, number two, freedom. All their different freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom to uh, keep and bear arms. You know the list of important freedoms that we have. The third thing is they want peace. They want peace in their homes, in their communities, and they want peace between nations. They don't want to be threatened by North Korea. And by the way, we're no longer threatened by North Korea, as far as we know. And they also want prosperity. They want a government to get out of the way so that they're free to start a business, they're free to work hard, they're free to, you know, uh, not be overtaxed. They can keep some of their money uh, that doesn't all belong to the government, and uh, they have that philosophy. Those four things really stand at the foundation of what American voters take to the polls with them every four years for presidential elections. And I have identified, by looking back, uh, long-term trends that go up to 36 years, uh, mid, mid-term trends that go roughly eight years into the future, and then uh, short-term trends that are between one month and two years before an election. And I know the trends, and I know where they're going. And as I often say on the radio, the trends are our friends. If we understand the trends, that's our friends, because we can understand our future. And despite all of the negativity that the left brings to bear, which, by the way, is something American people don't really like to hear all the negativity, just as you're pointing out, despite all of that negativity, uh, you know, they don't buy it, and they don't believe in it, and they're much more optimistic because they have freedom, and they want to keep their freedom. And so the trends are, are indicative of the fact that they want to throw out the leftist ideas. They want to get rid of them. The Democrat Party, I think, is still going to break up. 
and uh, that's a subject unto itself, you know, what's going to happen with the political parties. But one thing I know is that every time we have an historic presidential election, 2016 was historic, by the way, uh, and that whenever you have that, you have a realignment of the parties. They redefine themselves, trying to, in essence, follow the will of the American people. The American people have been sending signals. They're obvious, and the trends are in place, and the trends are for conservatives to win. So the good guys are going to win in the end. Okay. I, I love what you're saying. And in the DNA of Americans, you know, one of the other projects that we do <clears throat> is our World War II project. And to sit across the table and interview these guys that are veterans of World War II gives me pause because these are people that put it all on the line to stand against tyranny and evil. And that's not being taught in our education system now. I've been concerned that our kids are not not learning these things that you're talking about that you say that are in our DNA. Um, well, you know, speak, to, speak to that two, a little bit. Yeah. Things. Two, things. The two things I'd say is, first of all, because it's in our DNA, it doesn't have to be completely taught. In other words, people have an intuition. Hey, I want to be free. Hey, this government is trying to tra- trample on my rights. So there's that, that's a good part of it. Uh, the bad part of it is that so many socialists have made it their lives work to take over our education system uh, for the purpose of doing exactly what they're doing. They're trying to transform the country from a, a constitutional republic that guarantees freedom to a uh, socialist European uh, type country where the government makes all the rules and decisions because they are so smart, they think. <laughs> the vision and the and, anointed. Yeah, exactly. So what I I'm, I want to say is that it is true, it is true that uh, they have made tremendous inroads into taking over the content of our educational system. But you know what? It is up to us, just like prior generations stood up and fought for this nation's freedom. We have to do that now, and I think it's happening. I talked to someone this week. I spent, uh, I think, about an hour on the radio talking with somebody who ran for school board in California and won, a conservative. That's great. And, and he's working to change uh, the content of that particular school board. We need conservatives to take action. You can't sit back and think we're going to have freedom. Because past generations had to, you know, sit up straight, and they had to fight, uh, unfortunately, with g- guns and bullets. Today, we have to fight with ideas, and and I think it's it's up to Americans to do that. And by the way, one of my books, I have five books out. I'm working on number six now. Uh, book number three was Renewing America and its Heritage of Freedom. It has a toolkit in there. It's about a 350-page solid conservative book. That that's a toolkit for conservatives who are frustrated and want to know how they can do things to help this country. Well, one thing you can do is run for school board and change the educational system uh, to become one that teaches our great heritage. Well, and I was with a number of women actually last night up in Fort Collins, and they said not only your school boards, but your city councils and your library boards. Uh, yeah. You know, we have we've really abdicated all of that because we've been busy. I think that we've I think still Americans 
citizens believe that that they are electing people that do have in their DNA the four things that you mentioned, the morality and government that love freedom, peace, and prosperity. Uh, We have maybe about three minutes. I'd love for you to give us your take on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, she went to uh, Boston University, and she got a degree in uh, international relations and economics, I don't know who paid for her education, but I think that they should get their, her, their money back because she is an avowed socialist. But she is, um, you know, she's vibrant uh, and she's attractive and uh, she's a millennial. Very likable. Very, very likable. So, I mean, I see big, big danger in somebody like her. Uh, a couple of minutes. What's your comment on, on her, Dr. Gerard? I see, op- I see opportunity. She's doing more to help us than almost any other Democrat. She's out there telling people what she believes. She wants 70% taxes on people. She, she thinks that money comes out of the air. I mean, she is so totally out of touch with reality, it's hard to believe that she has a degree in economics. I'll have to question what kind of economics do they teach there. Is this, Paul, you know, they teach Paul Karl Marx and that's yeah. it, you know? I mean, obviously, she doesn't know much about economics, but she keeps putting her foot in her mouth. And I think the more the Democrats do that and, and present who they really are and what they really believe, the less likely they're going to ever be uh, elected to higher office or, in her case, maybe even get reelected. But she has a district where about 90 percent are Democrats, so it's a, one of those... Uh, blue districts that are hard to change because the people just vote with their eyes closed, apparently. Well, the we got... Repub- Go ahead. I was going to say the Republican there won 13% of the vote, if you can imagine. So that must be a strange district. But at any rate, I think uh, the Democrats going after Trump, uh, being against every policy he's for, all they're doing is assuring that in 2020, part two of this election is going to take place in which conservative Republicans replace, uh, you know, the, the Democrats who are there, especially from Trump-type districts, where they got in strictly because they weren't the incumbent. Okay. Well, Dr. Gerard Lamero, thank you so much. I love your optimism, and we'll uh, have to have another conversation very soon. That's and great. Stephen Kessler, thank you so much for being in studio with us. What's your final thoughts given the show today? Sure. Uh, my final thoughts specifically regarding um, Ocasio-Cortez has to do with the unruly passions and appetites of man, and that when the restraints on these unruly passions and appetites of man are removed, they run amok and will lead to our destruction. And that's really what I see with her. She's pushing socialism. She has no concept of the economy. She doesn't seem to understand how any of the real world works, and she's very likable. And I have a feeling that they're going to try and pass more and more legislation that will cause our own destruction. Okay, well, as Dr. Lamero said, I think the, the real positive, though, is the veil is off. We know what we're fighting against, and so we need to uh, gird up and be ready for this battle. Uh, but in the spirit of Dr. Lamero's optimism, I got a quote from Helen Keller. And as you know, many of you know that she uh, could not uh, see, could not hear, and then she did eventually learn to speak. Amazing movie. But she said, no pessimist ever discovered the secret of the stars or sailed in an uncharted land or opened a new doorway for the human spirit. So it's 2019. Read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, 
Justice and the American Way. Stephen Kessler, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is the uh, Marichicks with Kim Munson. Uh, we wish you a very great day. And be sure and go to our website, americhicks.com. And uh, go ahead and get on the wait list for our Vino and Veritas Federalist Papers book study. Uh, we are sold out for January, but we will get you on the wait list. Uh, or you can email me at kim at So this is the Americhicks with Kim Munson signing off. You have a blessed day. God bless you and God bless America. Yeah.